in the right place. We, we, we've, got a, um, we've got what we call a welcome meal uh, to help people to find more out, more out about St. Paul's. And um, it's coming up on a Monday evening uh, at the end of the month, Monday the 30th of September. And you are so invited. Uh, we'd love you to just let us know if you want to come. There are invitation cards in the welcome area. Just speak to Mark or Chris or myself afterwards. We'd love to give you an invitation and uh, get you to come along uh, to that. Okay, if you've got a Bible or an iPad or an iPhone or a smartphone or whatever you want to turn to it in, um, I'd love you to turn to Luke's Gospel, chapter 10. And um, we're going to reflect this evening for a little bit on the Good Samaritan. It's it's one of those Bible stories, isn't it, that's so well known. In fact, it's so well known that the language of the Good Samaritan has become part of our everyday language. We talk about people being Good Samaritans. Um, it's uh, worked its way into our subconsciousness and therefore comes out in our consciousness. And, and um, uh, of course, when you talk about this, um, these days many people think of the phone line the, the, that people can phone to uh, be listened to the Samaritan phone line that you can phone if you are in trouble. But the parable goes a little bit further than that. It's the beginning of the, in the beginning of the parable, Jesus is uh, interacting with a lawyer. And uh, we start at verse 25. Let me read it uh, with you. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question, Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life. Jesus replied, well, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your strength and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him. Do this and you'll live. The man wanted to justify his actions. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Okay, I'm going to pause there before we get on to the story. Um, this starts, uh, there's Three little scenarios that we go through here in Luke. And I think Luke puts them in this order for a, a reason. Um, we, we begin here with the question that this man asks. Teacher, what, must, what should I do to inherit eternal life? If you think about it, the question itself is flawed. What should I do? In other words, he thinks there is some way of earning eternal life. There's some way of gaining access into uh, heaven by doing some good works. What should I do to inherit eternal life? And I think that possibly Jesus sees that story. And, and I think that Luke puts these little three scenarios in this order to um, help people understand how that is worked out. Uh, and the first one, the one we're looking at this evening, is the parable of the Good Samaritan. Jesus talks about our relationship with our neighbors. This is how we're to be with our neighbors. Then um, he talks about the little uh, scenario with uh, Mary and Martha. You know that story well. He talks about how we should be with Jesus, our, our focus actually on him as our Lord and Savior. And then in Luke chapter 11, beginning of the next chapter, um, uh, we're introduced to the whole aspect of prayer and the importance of our relationship with our Heavenly Father. So there's three little scenarios here, and they come out of this place of uh, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And I think that what Luke brings out in these passages is this. 
There is a relationship between what goes on in our lives vertically and what goes on horizontally. What happens as we live our lives for God affects what happens as we live our lives out with others. The way in which we live our lives with others, what we do with other people, how we react to other people, can be radically changed if we get our vertical life right. So God changes us that we might be different with others. Does that make sense? That's what, that's what I think he's getting over. He's saying, look, I mean, it says it elsewhere, doesn't it? Love the Lord your God, put him first. Seek first the kingdom of God, and then everything else will follow on. Put God first. Our vertical life affects everything else that uh, we should do. And what I love about this um, parable this evening, I love about Jesus' teaching, is that it's, it, it's very down-to-earth. Um, he has a, a great way of dealing with, with the nitty-gritty of life, but putting practical flesh around it. So he's asked this theological question, what should I do to inherit eternal life? There's a big question. What is, what is eternal life? How do I inherit that? And, and, and he answers with this simple story. This is what it means. This is what it looks like in our lives. And uh, he picks up on this story of uh, the Samaritan. And Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling on a trip from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. We just say the road from Jerusalem to Jericho, even up to the 1930s, was seen as a very dangerous road to go on. It's about 17 miles long, um, uh, uh, changes uh, uh, height by about 1,500 feet, so it's a very um, uh, up and down road, depending on which way you were going. But it's, it's, it's a road that was very rocky because of that. And so a road that, as you went down it, thieves, robbers, uh, bandits could be hiding around any corner. But it was also a very important road for commerce. So a lot of people uh, would travel along it. And by chance, as this man had been left for half dead, but by chance a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over, looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. This, this, um, this uh, lawyer, having first asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life, uh, then wants to further that question. When Jesus says, well, what does Mo- the law of Moses say? Well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, you've answered well. And he says, well, now who's my neighbor? I wanna, uh, who, is, who is it that I should look out for? That was a big question in those days. Who is it that we should look after? Who is it that we should have hearts for? 
And I think Jesus chooses the Samaritan because a Samaritan in those days to the Jewish community would not have been seen as a neighbor, would not have been classed as a neighbor. This person, this, Jew, this uh, Samaritan community was seen as an enemy of the Jewish community. It was a person who would have been excluded from this lawyer's circle of friends. So when Jesus tells this story, it's a bit like asking you to love someone in a community or a culture or a background that at the moment you've got no heart for, you've got no relationship with. Jesus absolutely blows that wide apart. And he says, actually, our neighbor is everyone. And to this lawyer, he says, I'm picking the person who you would consider to be your very enemy and reminding you that they're your neighbor. They're the ones that you should look out for. So this man falls among robbers and thieves, uh, among robbers and thieves take advantage of him, strip him off, and leave him for dead. And two opportunities appear for help. First, a priest comes along. Whenever I read this story, I always feel slightly embarrassed at that moment because I am a priest. I always think, why didn't the bloke stop and help? Now, now before we get too hard on him, remember this. If the priest, I'm not justifying the priest at this moment. Please hear that. I'm not feeling insecure about this. I'm just going to, if the priest had helped him, the priest would have been there. The, the religious rules around who he was were really strict. He'd have been seen as ceremonially unclean. Therefore, he was probably on his way to the temple. He'd have had to go home again. And for a week, he'd have had to seek to purify himself. That would mean, as the priest would have been the one who provided in his home, for his home, for his family, his parents, his wife, his children, his, whoever he had at home, he would have been the one who would have had to, prepare, to, to provide for all of them for the week that he would have had to repurify himself. Because he hadn't planned that, they too would not have had anything to eat or uh, uh, been cared for and provided for uh, as in normal life. So possibly he looked over at this Samaritan, uh, looked over at the, the Jewish man who was on the floor and maybe thought he was dead. Maybe he was uh, unconscious. We don't know, of course, the detail, but maybe he thought, should I? I'm not sure. What does this mean for me? I'm, just, I'm hoping someone else will come along. Now, I'm not justifying it, but I'm just saying maybe there was that reason. Maybe he was frightened himself. We don't know. Of course, following him, this uh, temple helper, um, uh, uh, this Levite coming along after him, surely should have helped him. He's somebody who should have helped. Um, but he likewise uh, didn't help. Which is quite extraordinary, really, because it says in Proverbs 25, if your enemy is hungry, give him some food to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. All the very scripture that this lawyer quotes, which I think is a very clever twist in the tale in the way Jesus brings this story in, is from Leviticus. Um, Leviticus 19.18, it says this, Never seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord, and you must obey these laws. In other words, the very scripture that this bloke 
quotes uh, to, to love your neighbor as yourself has in it never seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone. In other words, care for your enemies also. Care for your enemies also. So the very scripture he uses is one that undoes him. So placing any religious purity over helping a person who was possibly still alive was wrong whichever way you look at it. So we know that the priest and the Levite had no justification for walking past. Neither do you nor I. We never have justification for walking past. It was a number of years ago now, I've told this story before, but um, I was in um, Oxford. I'd, I'd taken my wife away for 24 hours. And uh, when we go away for 24 hours, this is what we do. We drink nice wine and we eat good food and we always have to go shopping. That's the sort of payment. We always have to go shopping for at least half a day. And then we get to go for a walk, which is what I always like to do. So we were doing this shopping bit. And we were in the center of Oxford, Oxford Shopping Center. And um, uh, all of a sudden, two guys started beating this other guy up. I mean, he was just, you know, throwing distance from me away. So I'm like, you can't do that. So immediately, we had, um, we had our little boy, Joss, then. He was just a baby. Immediately, I gave Joss to Linz and walked straight over to try and stop them. And she's going, no. And I'm going, well, you can't walk past. <laughs> so I got in to separate these guys. Then they both turned on me. I hadn't done anything wrong. But they were very upset that I tried to stop their fight. But what it says is, we must always step in. Whatever happens, we must always step in. Last week, last week, walking up to church, as I was coming up Green Avenue, uh, coming down were uh, uh, two people obviously having an argument. A uh, guy and uh, a girl having a bit of a rather loud argument together. And uh, as they were having this argument, he took a swing at her in the street and hit her in the face. Well, I was nearby. <laughs> so this was when I was walking to church last Sunday. I was nearby, so I thought, well, you can't. <laughs> You've got to say something, haven't you? So I ran up and said, oi, 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 oi. At which point he took a swing at me. But I was expecting that because I have experience of it. <laughs> so I ducked. I ducked. And I said, you cannot hit a woman like that. I'm thinking, you can't hit a man either. And I should say that because I'm quite frightened. But, but one stands up, you just, you can't do it. Now, they went off and she went off again after him. And I'm thinking, don't go with him. But the, 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 the thing is, we have to step in. We have no alternative. If we are to be the Samaritans, if we are to be the people who help other people out, we have no option other than to step straight in and see what we might be able to do. The Samaritan traveler, he's, he's the one who stops, isn't he? He doesn't move over to the other side of the road. He sees the wounded man and takes pity on him. He bandages his wounds. He pours on oil and wine, perhaps tearing strips of cloth from his own clothing. He puts the man on the donkey, takes him to an inn, and uh, asks the inn to personally take care of, takes care of him, and then pays for the innkeeper also to take care of him. And Jesus asked the lawyer one last question. He says this, Now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Listen to the answer. 
of the lawyer. He can't bring himself even to use the word Samaritan. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. There's still something in there that says, yeah, but I do not like the fact that you're raising up to my level this enemy of mine. But that's what Jesus does. There is no hierarchy in the kingdom of God, I don't believe. I think we're all on level, a level playing field. We all, we all are on the same standard. There's no, there's no person to put on a pedestal. There's no one to lift higher. In God's eyes, we're all children of God to be looked after and looked on by him. And the lawyer began this story by asking a definition of a neighbor in order to justify limiting his love to his fellow Jews only. And I think Jesus says to him, you can't do that. To love your neighbor is to love everyone. And I think he'd say the same to you and me today. Where does that leave us? Well, just a couple of things. Firstly this, we cannot, as Christians, come to worship and not apply it throughout the week. We can't come and sing, I love you, Lord, and then not go and demonstrate that love to others. We have to be people who put it into action. We have to do things that demonstrate our faith. We have to care for the broken and the needy. We have to reach out to the struggling. We have to pick up those who are down. We have to walk with the wounded and include the excluded. Sometimes we can feel paralyzed, can't we, by the vast needs in the world. How do we, where do we start? You know, there's so much. So many needs. Where do you start? Well, you start somewhere. You start somewhere. Mother Teresa was famous for her care of the poor and disadvantaged in Calcutta and was once asked, how can you keep serving the poor, the sick, and the dying with such vigor? What's the secret? How do you do it? To which she answered this, whenever I meet someone in need, it's really Jesus in his most distressing disguise. Jesus is the child I see abandoned by the road. Jesus in the beggar hoping for a meal. Jesus in the leper whose limbs have turned to dust. It's him I help and him alone. When we see a need, it's Jesus we see. Jim Wallace tells the story of uh, the soup kitchen that they run in Washington in America. And he lo oh, I loved it when he told this story. And... and um, uh, uh, he was uh, uh, re reporting what goes on uh, um, uh, every week. And he said at this uh, soup kitchen that he runs, there's a lovely old lady there who comes in and helps every day. She's in her 80s, and she runs the team. And he says, she's someone you don't want to cross. So she comes in and runs the team for the homeless. And every day she starts out by shouting at the whole team in a lovely way, just so that she might be heard. Today, friends somewhere in this line you're going to serve Jesus make sure you treat him well I think it's a great line somewhere in this line today you're going to meet Jesus make sure you treat him well that we look after one another but we don't have, just, we don't have to wait for uh, needs to cross our paths do we uh, Chris has been advertising the noise that's something we can all get involved in and it is such a pleasure 
to help people. I think that going out and helping people does more for us than it does those that we help. Every time, every time we do it, you think, that feel, just feels so good. It feels so good to have changed somebody's life. It feels so good to have seen God's kingdom, kingdom light shine in their lives. It just feels so good. I was with um, Ray Elliott a couple of weeks ago, a project that they've been working on that I, I did very little, but we went down, and this lady, my goodness gracious me, she had holes in the roof. She had rooms she couldn't get into because it was so jam-packed full of stuff in her house. She had a to- toilet that you couldn't flush it. You had to fill the bucket of water in the kitchen to go and uh, flush the toilet. It was just terrible. This is a five-minute walk from this church. Terrible. And uh, they'd been in there. They fixed the roof. They put new guttering up outside to stop the damp coming in. Put a new toilet in. I went down to see her. Spent a morning there with her. I went down to see her. And as I went to see her, she said, Oh, Pastor, it's so good to see you. Come and see my toilet. Well, there's someone whose life's been changed. I t- she can just press a lever now. Just press a lever. Her children, her two children said to me, see, you do not know how this has changed our lives. We don't have to wait for people to cross our paths. We can go find them. That's what we're going to do on that noise Saturday. I'm so excited about that. We're going to do that together. And we can help in all sorts of ways. Let's not be like the lawyer, more concerned about how to get to heaven. But let's be more like Jesus who was far more concerned at getting heaven to earth and changing people's lives if we want to change the world we do it one person at a time Mother Teresa says this we can't all do great things but we can do all do small things in great love it just takes a little bit of love to love whoever it is in whatever uh, context they live I want to finish with a quote from uh, Teresa of Avila, a 16th century nun and mystic, and she wrote this. Christ has no body now, no body, physical body, now on earth but yours. No hands but yours. No feet but yours. Yours are the eyes through which Christ's compassion is to look out to the earth. Yours are the feet by which he is to go about doing good. Yours are the hands by which he is to bless us now. Our neighbor's friends, this, this lawyer starts with a question. How do I get to heaven? Jesus finishes, really. Love your neighbor as yourself. You put God first, but love your neighbor as yourself. And your neighbor includes everybody. Wherever, whoever, from whatever context they are. Let's love them. Let's stand together, shall we? Father.